This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. This is the Sports Psychology Hour, and I'm looking forward to spending the next hour with you as we talk about your mind. We talk about sports from the psychological perspective on this show. This is my 28th year of radio in the Kansas City area, my 18th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And as I've been mentioning the last few weeks, our show is being syndicated. We're on in over 12 cities now around the country and look forward to growing that number as we talk more about you know, the mindset of athletes, coaches, fans, kids, parents, how you deal with the mental side of sports. I've been in practice for 38 years in the Kansas City area and really like what I do, really love what I do because I get to help people get better. And I've worked with athletes at all levels from youth sports to the high school, collegiate, professional and Olympic levels. This show is about you. It's about our conversations. It's about discussions. It's about talking about solutions to help you deal with issues as a coach, as, a, as an athlete, as a parent. You know, I wrote a book a couple of years ago with Jeff Montgomery, the Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame closer, who has over 300 saves. Pete Malone, who's in the USA Swimming Hall of Fame, coached over 10,000 swimmers, five gold medalists in the Olympics. And our book, we wrote with the, the rationale of trying to help people understand the mental side of sports, and especially for kids. And today with youth sports, we have so many issues that go on. You know, the, the last few shows we've had discussions with a number of people about this. A couple weeks ago, I had Jeff Chalk on, who runs, is the executive director for 3-2 and two Baseball Johnson County here in the Kansas City area. They... My gosh, they they have thousands of games during the summer that go on. And we talked about dealing with kids and parents and coaches and umpires and the pressures that a lot of people feel. When we look at the world of youth sports today, one of the things that has been a concern for me, and it's in our book, Chapter 3, Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. We don't coach enough kids I think, about losing. We're so caught up with this whole idea of coming in first place and winning and being the best. And I see, of course, it's it's people that come in my office will bring up these issues. That's why they're coming in. But coaches that can't handle losing, they can't handle failure, they get angry. I have, this summer I've worked with a number of softball players. Let's see, five of them. And every single one of them, two of them are on the same team and the other three are on different teams. Every one of them have had coaches who get angry at them, angry at them, when they make a mistake. You know, they'll hang their head, they'll kick kick something, they'll kick the dirt, they'll kick a bucket. Um, They'll say a snide comment to them when they come back to the dugout. I've had a couple of young baseball players who, a, a young man, he went 0 for 12, and on the 13th at bat he gets a hit. He gets stranded at first, comes back in the dugout. And the coach made some derogatory comment to him. Oh, you think that was a real hit? And just turned away. He got a hit. Doesn't matter. It's a real hit. Whether it's a dink, whether it's a ground ball, whatever, it's a hit. And instead of saying, hey, good job, son, he makes a snide comment. How do we coach losing? That's what I want to talk about today. How do we deal with, with failure and losing? And I want to open up our phone lines right away and see if I can get some calls in here to start off the show. We usually load up at the end. If you're a coach 
and your team fails, your team loses, you've got an athlete who screws up, makes mistakes, how do you coach them about that? Do you coach them or do you get angry at them? Do you get ticked off because they screwed up? Is the whole idea of succeeding and winning so important that when they make a mistake, you take it personally? I want to hear from you if you're a coach. How do you coach failure? How do you coach losing? How do you coach screwing up? If you're an athlete and you've had a coach who got angry at you because you failed, because you struck out, because you shot an air ball, because you turned the ball over, how did that make you feel? And how did you come back from that? You know, there's a word called, well, actually it's two words, self-confidence. Self-confidence. The ability to believe in yourself and your abilities and your skills. Throughout my entire career, I've worked with, I cannot tell you, at this point, thousands of people about confidence issues. And you know what? So often, confidence is affected by an athlete's, especially young athletes, confidence is affected by the reactions they get from their coaches, especially, along with parents and teammates, but a lot from their coaches and parents when they make a mistake. So if you're a parent and you have a son or daughter playing sports and they screw up, how do you react when they do that? They make a a, a bad swing or shoot a bad shot or miss a putt or double fault or, you know, false start or whatever it might be. How do you react when they do that? In our book, I have have something that I, I said in there that I think is very important. It says, good coaches check their egos at the door. It doesn't matter if you're a male or female. It doesn't matter what you coach. A good coach, in my opinion, checks their ego at the door. It's not about the coach. It's about the athlete. And what I see for so many people is we, and we've talked about this forever on this show, youth sports is now getting organized at younger and younger ages. You've got kids at five and six in leagues, which to me is absurd. I don't think kids need to be in leagues at those ages. Eight, nine, ten, fine. Five, six, no. Let them just play. Let them just go out and and learn how to hit a ball or to kick a ball or swing a bat or whatever it might be. I don't think we need to have leagues, but there are leagues because someone's making money. So how do you teach failure? How do you teach losing? How do you coach it? That's our topic today, and I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a parent. When you have failed, how did you react to it? What were you told? Were you given advice? Were you criticized? How were you responding to that as, 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 as a kid, as, maybe as a teenager, maybe as an adult? We fail at every Failure is part of life. We all fail. We all screw up at everything we do. I don't care what it is you do. You make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. I've shared them on this show. How do you react to that? How do you come back from that? I was just interviewed on TV the other day by Danny Wilniak, who will be my guest next week, by the way. We're going to talk about women's sports next week. And she asked me how I got into sports. I said, well, because I grew up playing tennis and I choked a lot in high school. I tried too hard because I wanted to win so bad. And if I'd worked with someone like me, I'd have been better because I didn't know how to lose. I couldn't handle it. So how do you coach losing? Let's get some calls in here. Let's get some discussion going. If you're a coach and you have your team or an individual athlete on your team who's failing, what do you say to them? How do you help them get through it? Or have you gotten angry and upset at them? If you're a parent and your son or daughter screws up in their games, what do you say to them afterwards? Do you say anything? Do you criticize them? Do you support them? What do you say? If you're an athlete, how do you handle it when you screw up? Let's get some calls in here. Let's get a discussion going. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Here every week we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. Let's get some discussions going. Let's talk about this because this, to me, is maybe one of the most important issues we have to deal with as coaches and parents with our kids. How do we teach them to fail? This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 Minutes to Success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 Minutes to Success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, Go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. We talk about the mental side of sports on this show, and today's topic is this. How do you coach failure and losing? How do you react to it if you're an athlete? How do you coach it as a coach? And if you're a parent and your son or daughter screws up, what do you say to them? How do you react to it? How do you respond? Like, get some calls in here. We can get a discussion going on this. I can obviously talk about it forever, but I want to hear from you. If you've coached and your team screws up, lose a big game, 
what do you say to them? Do you get angry? Do you be positive and supportive? How do you react? As a coach, how do you react? And how does that affect the kids in your team? If you're an athlete, you played kids sports as a kid, youth sports. How much of an impact did your coach have on you when you failed, when you screwed up, when you struck out, when you dropped a pass, whatever it might be? How did that impact you personally? I think teaching kids that failure is, you know, a lot of people don't like it when I say this, but failure is okay because you're going to do it. When I say it's okay, it's part of the process. All right, my producer, Chris Bullock, I want to hear from you. You obviously don't fail at very many things. I can tell that with because you're always in a good mood when I come in here on, sun, on Sundays. But when you played sports growing up and you failed at something, tell us how you reacted to that, how he responded to that. I mean, obviously, whenever you fail in sports, you're disappointed with you, how that came about. But as you said, I, I was going to say failure is imminent. You're going to make mistakes in every game. It doesn't matter if you have a great game. You're, you're still going to look back if you are. I, I was certainly someone who was perfectionist and wanted to be as good as I could possibly be and get the best out of myself. Um, but I think... As long as we got a phone call coming in, as long as you, uh, I would say, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thoughts because of the phone, but I'll get back to you about okay. that. All right. Because see, here, here's the deal. I've, I've had so many kids come in my office who have had their confidence almost destroyed by youth coaches because of their egos and their arrogance when they screwed up. And I've, I've shared this story before. Years ago, my son Gregory was playing youth baseball. His coach is awesome. I mentioned his coach's name, John Brinker. Great guy. Got the Sportsmanship of the Year Award in uh, the rec league that he coached. We were waiting to play a game on a Sunday afternoon. It was about 105 degrees. Dirt field. The team in front of us was playing. A lot of the kids on that team knew the kids on, on my son's team. All right, I'm back. Um, okay, f- finish I think- your as I said, failure is imminent, and as long as you accept that, and you accept that you're going to make mistakes, that helps you moving forward. And also looking at it as saying, "All right, I'm not going to." After like maybe watching film, or this was like me in high school watching film, or kind of thinking back to that whatever the mistake was, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm going to make sure that hey, I'm gonna, if I do mess up, that I'm not going to do that same mistake again. So it's a learning experience for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's like you're gonna you're gonna if you're 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 not gonna have a perfect game. You're not gonna go ten for ten, or you're not gonna you know score three touchdowns or whatever it may be, whatever sport you play. You know, it, it's it's about being able mentally to accept that. You are going to make mistakes, and how do you move forward from that, even if you have coaches that are sometimes not accepting? or Because so, sometimes coaches, if you make a mistake, one mistake, certain coaches will pull you, which I think is a stupid thing to well, do. Well, that's the whole reason I'm bringing this up, because it's how you learn from that. And that's, and that's the situation I wanted to bring up with my son. I was mentioning about Gregory, the team playing in front of us, this young man got to second base. The third base coach was encouraging him to steal. He tripped running the third got tagged out. The coach in the dugout, and I've mentioned this many times in the show before, turned around, kicked the fence, the bats, the helmets all fell down. He then grabbed this young man by the neck and threw him against the fence right in front of me. I said something to him. He then cursed at me, dropped the kid. The kid was crying. The first base coach came in and said, what are you doing? They got into an argument. This young man was in, I think, fourth grade, fifth grade, fourth grade. When he was a sophomore in high school, his dad called me and said, I need to bring him in. Remember that incident? It's affected him forever. And we had to work through this. It took about seven or eight sessions before he got through it. But his confidence got so rattled by this this guy. And, and I reported the coach. In fact, they said he could never coach again. Because he grabbed this kid. He was an attorney. And his dad, the kid's dad was an attorney. I don't know what happened legally. But he was you know kicked out as a coach, which he should have been. You don't ever grab a kid because he tripped and fell down. It's ridiculous. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's talk to Willie. Willie, good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. Just call it Will. Well, thank you very much. Get your thoughts. 
Well, I was calling you. Uh, really, uh, you had some great points. I'm, I'm a former high school coach, 30 years, retired. Uh, and after a couple, about six months, some, I started into youth football. Uh, I, I'm a commissioner of a football league, basically. But I was asked to by some of my former players to do, start it up. So I've been in it for 20 years. And one of the one of the strongest points that I push for our coaches is to teach how to win and how to lose, and to teach uh, to deal with positive coaching. And uh, we have to teach parents and we have to teach kids. It's a two-sided coin because, needless to say, you can get on a bus. I still coach at the high school level as well. You can get on a bus and some kids could ride home with their parents and refer would rather ride back the bus back because they're not going to get verbally abused uh, on the bus compared to getting in a car and being told that they didn't get that necessary hit or get that necessary uh, tackle or something in a game. And that, excuse so, me, that's why I always encourage people after a game, after a contest, after an event, get in the car and don't, as a parent, do not say anything to them other than, I love you, it was great watching you play, where do you want to eat? Yes, that's that's extremely important because my goal as a commissioner is to teach our coaches and our parents that they need to care about the kids, number one. And that's not a way to care about kids is to verbally abuse them. So I, I usually will eliminate coaches who have that tendency. And uh, I, I understand that that's the, just the way they are and they can't break that habit, but you can find people that don't have that habit. Well, well. you know what, Willie, I'd like it. We've got to go to our commercial break here in a moment. I'd like you to hold on and continue this conversation sure. with you. But, but but I want to, I want to hit you up on, on what you just said right there. I think okay. you can change people because I think people, a lot of people are ignorant to understanding what it is they're doing because their ego okay. gets in the way. I, yeah, there are some people you can't change, obviously. Sure. But I think that's something we can do. So hold on here. And we're going to come back at the top of the after the the break and finish this conversation. William McGinnis is with us. I'm talking today about how do you coach losing and failure. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I want to hear from you. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large 
or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary Rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition. And Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, Pulmonary Rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm talking today about this topic. How do you coach failure and losing? And I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach, if you're a parent, you're an athlete, and you've had to deal with this before. And joining us is Willie McGinnis. Willie, tell us again, how long have you been involved as a coach and an official in the world of sports? 52 years. Well, then you have a little bit of knowledge on this topic. A little bit. I was mentioning before uh, we went to the the commercial break there. I I think some coaches can be changed and can be taught. I I have a saying, I mentioned it earlier, a good coach checks his or her ego at the door. When it's more about the coach than it is about the kids, what do you see happening? What have you seen over your years? Well, I agree with you that they can be changed. Just just a few of them that you just about heads to the point you can't can't go much longer. But I think they can be changed because I think you can you can open their eyes to what they're doing incorrectly, and they realize they see the the significance of how they're affecting young people's lives. And when they see that, you know, you you treat every kid just like the, that you're their they're they're yours, and. Uh, and when you start doing that, I think that helps you become a better person, a better coach, a more human being to all those around you. What's you know what? Why is failure such a bad thing? That, that's that's the issue that I deal with. The hard, that's the hardest issue to deal with because everybody wants to win, and the kids come out there, you know, and the coaches think that's the most important thing for the kids. The coaches think that. A lot the of people. Kids, Sorry, they're, go ahead. They're more, they're more concerned about getting to McDonald's after the game than they are the, the uh, winning and losing. A lot. I find that a lot of people, as I said, the adults get so caught up with all this stuff, they lose the perspective on what it's about. Kids' sports to me, to me, should be about growth, having fun, learning fundamentals. The winning and losing should take a very far back seat to all that other stuff. I, exactly. I think the score, to me, quite frankly, score shouldn't really matter until you're about 13 or 14. Then, okay, then it starts. Now, a lot of people challenge me, Willie. They'll say to me, well, that's wimpy, okay? You're teaching kids to be wimps, okay? you got to toughen them up. That's not mental toughness. And I'm like, no, you know what? If you learn how to understand when you fail as a youngster that it's not bad, it's part of what's going on, you're not going to lose your confidence when you get older when you fail. You're going to understand what that's about. But if you're 
degraded and, and, and cursed at and made fun of and bad bad looks are, are, are sent towards you, you, know, you when you screw up. Then when you get older, you're not going to handle it well. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, you're, you're totally correct. And you have to teach kids how to lose. And you have to teach kids how to handle losing. And that means walking through a line and shaking hands and looking people in the eye. All those things have to be taught. And we don't do that. Why? Why don't we do that? Because, well, to, to be honest with you. People don't uh, listen to this show enough. <laughs> that's part of well, it. That, that's one thing. But they don't know, you know, they don't know how to, they may, they may not have been taught. And they're trying to teach kids something they haven't been taught. Exactly. That's what, exactly. That's what yeah. my, I have a grandson that walked across the stage one, day, one night uh, to win an award, and, and he stood to shake the principal's hand, and the principal wasn't sure what to do. And that's bothered me. And why didn't the principal know what to do? Because no one else did that? Nobody else did it. It was one of those things that it, you don't do that in, in the world today. You don't congratulate people. You don't, you're not positive enough to people. We ask about suicide and all the other things. We're not trying to be positive to kids. We're not trying to build them up to be people that are good people. You know, but we'd rather tear them down because they did something. One, yeah. one thing wrong, but 90 Nine percent of the day, they're doing things right. One one time, they mess up, and that's the that's the part we criticize. Well, and there's so much negativity in our society today, and especially in the political world, that carries down to everything else. And I, I just think that, you know, yep. if 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 we learn, you know, when my kids were younger, I told them after a game, I didn't care what the the sport was, they went up and I said, I want you to go shake the officials' hands. Mm-hmm. And my oldest son Jonathan, one one time, he did that with the, the soccer officials. And after the game, he says, Dad, I know you always tell me to do it, but but they were terrible today. I said, you know what? They still tried. Yeah, they yep. weren't very good, but it wasn't like they were doing it on purpose. And he goes, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I think yeah. we don't teach that enough, and we're so caught up with us winning, being better than everybody else, instead of learning how to handle it. And it sounds like 52 years of experience in this, you've, you've learned a lot from it, sir. And I, I really want to thank you for calling because you brought up some great points. Here. What would you say, before I let you go? Okay, yeah. what would you say to coaches whose egos get too caught up in the game and end up being derogatory towards kids? What would you say to them if you saw that? Well, or would you even say anything? I, w- I would. I would look them in the eye and say, "Is that how you? Is that the way you treat your son or your daughter? If that's the way you treat your son or your daughter, then I think you need to." find another profession and i would be honest with him and have you done that before oh yes oh yeah because i i've always told and the people that i that work for me that play and coach and everything they know i'm going to be straight up and honest because the problem as, as a head football coach for many years i was honest with kids i cared about them and i was told them if they weren't doing the, what they needed to do i went and i told them what they needed to do I wasn't derogatory. I just said, this is what you need to do to get better. You don't have to be derogatory. You can just be honest. Yes. And, and I think that we don't, we're not honest enough with kids because I still coach high school kids, and I love, I love what I do, and I love the kids. I don't get paid for doing anything. I just love it. But I, the kids know that Coach, coach is going to be honest with us. He'll tell us the truth, so I'm going to go talk to him. Well, William McGinnis, I want to thank you for calling up today. I really appreciate it. I've I've known of you for years. You've been around a long time. As you said, 52 years in the world of sports. Great advice. Great comments, sir. And uh, thank you for listening and calling. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself. I want to hear from you. If you are a coach and your team failed, lost, screwed up, how did you teach them to overcome that? Or... If you're brave enough to call up and say, you know what, I screwed up and I didn't do it right, I'd like to hear from you on that as well. We've got a wide open phone board. That was a great call there. I want to thank him again for calling in. If you're a parent and your son or daughter makes a mistake, what do you say to them, if anything? And how does your body language as a parent, as a coach, affect the kids you're coaching? I don't think a lot of people realize, you know, you can look the wrong way, you can kick the bucket, kick the dirt, turn away, 
what you say impacts kids, but your body language does as well. So I'd like to hear from you. If you and if you're an athlete, you've played sports, and you've had a coach who left a an impact on you, positively or negatively, what was it? See, here's the thing. When we play a sport, you will fail. You will lose. You will screw up. You will make mistakes. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how bad you are. You know, here in Kansas City, we've got you know, the MVP of the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, about to start training camp. He doesn't throw a touchdown pass on every pass. He doesn't throw a completion on every pass. But what I loved watching the Chiefs last year and watching him was when he made a mistake or he threw a touchdown, he was on the sidelines talking to Andy Reid, and he sat down and went over the plays. And you didn't see disgust or you know, anger. You saw coaching at the best level, the top level, coaching the NFL MVP. So if that's not a lesson kids can learn and young coaches can learn, I don't know what they can. So I'd like to hear from you. We've got plenty of time left in this show to hear from a coach, from a parent, from an athlete. When you failed, when you screwed up, when you made a mistake, what did you learn from it? How did you grow from it? How did you get better? I want to hear from you. Let's talk about it. Because here's the thing. When you win and succeed, that's great. But... You don't learn as much from that as when you lose and fail. And losing and failing will make you hungrier, it'll make you better, it'll make you stronger when you get older, and it will build your confidence up. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. I think this is a great topic to talk about today, so give me a call. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF. 
plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about sports psychology on this show. And today's topic is this. How do we coach losing? How do you coach failure? As a coach, when you have an athlete or your team and they lose a big game, they fail, they screw up, How do you, as a coach, coach them to deal with that, handle that, learn from that, grow from that, and overcome that? As a parent, when your son or daughter loses, fails, maybe strikes out at the end of the game or misses a free throw that could have won the game or drops a ball or misses a shot, how do you help them deal with that? I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach, if you're a parent, you're an athlete. Losing and failure are part of sports. It's part of the game. It's part of the competition. It's part of life. And in sports, we play, you know, the, the Herm Edwards, the former Chiefs coach now, I believe at Arizona State, made a comment, you play to win the game. Well, at the NFL, yeah, you play to win the game. But you play sports to learn about who you are and what you're about. And I think the, the greatest lesson we learn is not when we win, but when we fail and when we lose. Because then you have to look at yourself and you have to ask yourself, what did I do? What did I not do? How do I improve on this? How do I get better at this? What do I learn? Great coaches, I feel, have this quality. Grounding. They're grounded people. They don't allow themselves to get caught up in the emotional scenario of the of the, of the situation. They don't let their emotions get caught up in if the team's winning or losing. They're focusing on their job. I've been around some incredible coaches in my life. I've been around some bad coaches, too. And one of the things that I've noticed is the really good coaches, when a team screws up, don't flip out. And when a team does great, they don't go berserk. They keep themselves grounded. And I think the key thing is this. As a coach, you have a tremendous impact on the kids you work with. And your body language, as I said earlier, if, if, if a young man or young lady strikes out a softball or baseball player, if you turn around and kick the dirt or you're all upset, they see that. And then they get upset internally. They may not show it. How you handle your demeanor has such a huge impact on these kids. All right, let's see what Jeremy has to say. Jeremy, good morning. How are you? Hi, how's it going today? Great. Thank you for calling in. Thanks for having me. I was calling today because my daughter actually just had a big turnover at the end of the game uh, last week in her tournament, and we lost the game. But, you know, after the game, she kind of told me she felt a little pressure of of, uh, needing to win the game. And I just told her it's a good thing to feel pressure. You know, we don't want – we just want different results. We don't want any – we want you to try and attack the goal and score. Uh, just because you didn't have those results doesn't mean that it was a failure. Uh, to me, uh, success is uh, being confident enough to, you know, go in there and try and win that game-winning shot. What but, age? How game, old is she? She's 11. Okay. Okay, go ahead. I mean, she's still pretty young, but uh, man, she, uh, she's all basketball. She eats, sleeps, and breathes it, man. Well, uh, she, it's, it's big business to her, and, you know, even after a big loss, I— I try not to go hard on her. I just tell her, like, uh, you know, don't get too high on the highs and don't get too low on the lows. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's just a game. I know we take it serious, but we, we don't want to we don't want to knock any confidence out of our kids or, or, or you know, kind of chop their knee, egos at the knees or anything uh, because of uh, our, our expectations being too high. What are, what are your expectations? My expectations are to, are to play as hard as you can uh, every game. I don't really care about the results as long as – uh, you're all in on the effort. I can live with it. Okay. What about having fun? I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? What about having fun? Yeah, yeah definitely having fun. Uh, but there's certain times where we play to have fun, and there's certain times where it's serious. You know what I mean? 
Uh, she understands that we can go out and play and have fun, but uh, certain times, you know, we're 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 here for it. We're here because we we do want to win. Don't get me wrong; that we do want to win at the end of the day. But at the same time, um, there's different there's different uh, times where we're having fun at it, and then there's different times where we're taking it very serious. All right, let me let me, let me ask this question. You said she's eleven. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's just uh, if I can measure what's more important you say and i understand what you're saying you want to win and have fun but in the end what's more important down the road in the in the end it's more important for her to have fun you know she puts the pressure on me that she wants to win it's not like i'm just uh uh, uh making her do something she doesn't want to do like i said it's big business to her uh, uh but if she ever comes to me and says that you know it's draining her uh she doesn't want to play anymore uh, that'll be it then you know what i mean but at the same time, I'm not going to be paying 150 bucks a month for something that, uh, you know, she's not taking serious. If that makes sense. Paying 150 bucks a month for a coach, or what? What are you talking about? For a basketball team. Here's the so thing. For her to play back. Okay, yeah. Sorry. Good. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying it's uh, just for her monthly thing in basketball. It's like 150 bucks. Uh, they got two practices a week. Uh, they usually have uh, tournament games every other weekend. That's a pretty good setup. And like I said, she she loves basketball. It's all she wants to do. Well, here's the thing. It's, I, you sound like you're pretty grounded with everything. I think the important thing is this. And, and when kids get to that age, yeah, they live, breathe, and sleep it. And I, and I get that. I did it with tennis when I was that age. It's, I, I had my tennis rackets by my bed. I got up and hit, played in the morning, hit, hit tennis balls against the garage door before my daddy yeah, went, went to work. I get it. And, and, but I think as a parent, this is just my own personal opinion as, a, as someone who's worked in this field for 38 years. I think you have to emphasize the, the, the balance, that it's great that she's that way, but that the failures, the, the missed shots, the turnovers, all that stuff, it's, it's, you don't want to do it, but it's part of the game. And you ha- I think your job as a parent in that situation, probably more than anything else, is to ask her, what did you learn from that? How, oh, yeah, how, how can you get better with that rather than letting her get too upset about it? Yeah, definitely. Like I said, after she lost that game, we talked in the car on the way home. And she was just saying how much pressure she felt from her coach, and I was just telling her that, you know, that's something that's going to come. You know, that's that's not pressure is something that's not going to leave. You have to take that in and understand that you handle it right. Well, let me. Uh, what do you mean? She said she felt pressure from the coach. In what way? Just uh, just as far as uh, she felt like she needed to make the shot, and I, I said that's never going to leave. But it doesn't matter if you make it or don't make it. You, you know, as long as you're confident to try and take that shot at the end of the game, that's. That, that's what I want to see. You know what I mean? Because you make some. You, I mean, uh, Michael Jordan didn't make them all. You know what I mean? Well, I just want to pursue this a sec here. The pressure from the coach. Does the coach? Did the coach get upset because she missed? Well, the coach gets upset about a lot of things. <laughs> well, see, in that okay, I just want to jump in there. See the, the statement I made earlier about a good coach checks his or her ego at the door. It sounds like maybe your coach here is a little bit too caught up in this, more so than than maybe he or she needs to be. I can kind of understand that from a certain from a certain point of view, but you know, I I, I kind of like that. Uh, to me, he just has a lot of compassion. Uh, he, he, he takes he takes it very serious. He puts his heart in in the, in the team. You know that, well, I mean? that's that's great from one perspective, Jeremy. But if it if it starts putting pressure on your daughter to feel like she can't screw up, that's not good. So I think uh, well, that my, my daughter's tough juice. You know what I mean? She. She'll be right back. But she's, she's got she's got the, she's got the passion for the game. Her, her first year we played, uh, she had to play up. You know, uh, there were no other second and third grade teams, so we were playing off uh, fourth and fifth grade teams, and we'd be losing like you know fifty six to four uh, every game. Our only victory was someone not snatching the ball out of their hands for that first season, and she still wanted to play after that. You know what I mean? Well, that's great. So that's great. It sounds like you're sounds like you've done a good job with her. I just think the thing you need to be aware of is. That statement about feeling pressure from the coach, and, and, and you're right, there, there's a lot of positive stuff you can learn from that, but if she starts to feel she's letting the coaches down because she's screwing up, that's not healthy. And down the road, that, that can cause a confidence issue when you get older, so I think it's just important for you to be aware of that, and if the coach puts too much pressure on her, then that's something you got to address. I definitely understand that, but this is something that, to me, that kind of prepares them for life as well. You know, pressure isn't something that just is not there. We can't just ignore it. There's pressure on there. There's pressure for us to uh, uh, succeed in certain things that we try at, especially if we put a lot of work into it. You hit it you on know, the head, Jeremy. Listen, thank, thank you for, for that. 
Yeah, I gotta let you go. Thank you for your call. Good luck with your daughter, and hope things end up great for. Her. Thank Hi, you very thanks much. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. You can reach me several ways. My office is eight one six five six one five 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 six. My email address is drj at winnersunlimited dot com. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio Ten WHB and on my website. Have a great week. Next week we'll be talking to Danny Wilniak, sports director, KCTV Five in Kansas City. Talk to you then. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back. When your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country, and tragically, More than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family, and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.